This is Shop Talk Radio, Episode 6, with Lewis Howes. Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and on this show, we bring you inspiring guests to dive underneath the hood of the creative entrepreneurial lifestyle to bridge the gap between art, commerce, and inspiration. Super stoked about today's guest, my good buddy Lewis Howes, as he's played a huge role in my life over the last year and a half. In fact, he's one of the big catalysts for me to even start this podcast radio show. Lewis is one of the most inspiring life ballers I've met and is playing a huge game in his life. He and I have talked a lot about the idea of being a life baller. As for us, it means One who has created a lifestyle where they get to do what they love, travel where they want, make the money to support it, and create healthy, inspiring relationships in their life, and mostly giving back to the world to make it a better place. Being a life baller is really just an outlook on life by combining all those elements uh, to create that success, and Lewis is a big life baller in my book. He is a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur and has an amazing story of getting injured in a football game and ending his career. And then he turned it around and has now created a business and life where he gets to wake up every day living a dream. One of my favorite creations of his is his School of Greatness podcast, which y'all should check out. It's about unlocking your inner greatness, and he interviews amazing guests to discover where their inner greatness actually comes from. I've been listening to it for a while now, and I look forward to each episode every every week or two when he when he launches them. And he's also launching the School of Greatness Academy, which is a community coaching program for entrepreneurs to help them achieve their greatness and their their dreams of their businesses. So if you're an entrepreneur looking to step up your game and you want a coaching community to get there, you should check it out at schoolofgreatness.com. Lewis and I both have gone through this peak performance leadership training based in emotional intelligence, which I feel is one of the biggest life hacks one could create and and do in their life, um, especially in the creative business field, because we all know there are a lot of fears that come with it. And being able to be a source of your circumstances and overcome those fears is really what makes one successful. So, you know, it, it's really inspired me to unlock my greater possibility of vision of what I want to create in the world and help others to unlock their possibility. In today's episode, we get to hear Lewis's thoughts on how business is an integral part of creative entrepreneurship, how to be creative in your business, and how to design a life of waking up getting paid to hang out and obviously much more so uh, let's get at it i am uh 
Excited to bring uh, Mr. Lewis Howes into the studio. Well, his studio. We're recording in his studio in LA with amazing view over here. Welcome, Lewis. Thanks for having me to my own place, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, welcome to your place. Yes. <laughs> Love but, it. But your show. But welcome to my show, my podcast, Shop Talk. And um, we're talking about creative entrepreneurship, and uh, you're an entrepreneur, an amazing one at that. And I want to kind of bring you in and talk about the business side of entrepreneurship and how that integrates with with the creative. So uh, let's just get started. And uh, yeah, give us your story. Where are you from? What's your background? I am from a small town of Delaware, Ohio. Uh, it's about I think it's about twenty thousand people when I was growing up. And uh, my entire life, I was a big dreamer. So I had dreams to play professional sports and play in the Olympics and the Super Bowl and World Series and every every championship game you could ever think of I wanted to do when I was a kid. And growing up, I, uh, you know, I pursued these dreams heavily. I went after them. I wasn't the best athlete, definitely wasn't the best in middle school. And uh, started to develop as an athlete in high school and college and really started to see that there might be a possibility to achieve my dream of being a pro athlete. Mm. And uh, ended up getting injured a number of times my junior and senior year and had to sit out my senior year playing football and thought I was going to be done. I didn't think I was going to have a chance to go to the next level because I got injured and I had to sit out my senior year. So I was like, well, I'm not going to have good enough stats. So I decided to uh, call my former track coach up, and I said, listen, it's been my dream to be an All-American my entire life, and I think I lost it in football because it's my last year and I didn't make it. But I would like to be an All-American decathlete. So I'm, I've, I've had three broken ribs that I broke in my senior season in football, and I had to sit out the rest of the season. And I call my track coach, and I tell this to her, and I go, I know the national championships is in about six months, and I have only done the decathlon once when I was a freshman in college. And I took the last season off in track, but this is my dream. I want to be an All-American athlete before I graduate. And she said, well, it's going to take you listening to me 100% of the time and doing everything I say for you to have a chance of being an All-American decathlete. But I think you've got what it takes. And I said, that was all I needed. I said, okay, I'm I'm yours for the next six months. Mm. And so I, I did everything she, she said. I, I stopped eating candy and milkshakes every day, and I trained. I got up at 6.30 a.m. when I would do special drill work with her one-on-one. I would come to practice early and then stay late and just do training nonstop for the next six months, traveled around the country to competitions, and uh, learned a couple events that I didn't even know, like the pole vault and discus and shot put, and like learned these skills within six months and uh, ended up making eighth place at the national championship, which the top eight are all Americans. So amazing! That's that's part of my story. <laughs> I love it. So where did you go on from there? So after that, I, I was like, you know what? I'm healthy enough now. I'm going to come back for my senior fifth year senior year because you can redshirt one year in college. Mm. So like, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to be an all American in two sports now because I think I can make it in football. So I ended up coming back, uh, got injured, broke the same three ribs in the second game of the season, Oof. and thought that my dream was over. I thought my my dad actually got in this really horrible car accident the night before 
I broke my ribs and he was in a coma in New Zealand for the next three months. And I was just like, my dreams are over. You know, I'm not gonna be able to play anymore. I just broke these same three ribs. And um, my dad, I think my dad's dead. We, can, we don't know if he's alive or dead. He's in a coma. And uh, I had a pretty amazing healing in the next two weeks. Came back to play, finished out the season, made All-American, decided to pursue my dream. My dad had just woken up from his coma and decided, you know what? Life's too short to not live, like do exactly what I want to do every single day. I want to be a pro football player. It's been my dream to be a pro athlete and get paid to play. And I was like... If I get in a car accident tomorrow, I'm going to be upset that I didn't go for it. Yeah. And, like, I want to live to my fullest and and not waste any minutes. And uh, that's what I did. I pursued. I did NFL tryouts. I didn't make the NFL, but I got asked to play on a number of arena league teams, which is indoor football. So I went and played there for one season. Got injured in the second game of the season as well and ended up playing with a broken wrist for the next 14 games. Oh. And um, and then after that, retired and was sleeping on my sister's couch for the next year and a half, trying to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> well, it's 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 crazy to have such a wake up call, and like what what when you got that call, what it what was that like? It was like eleven o'clock, I think, the night before my game, and I don't you know I wouldn't get calls that late because my family knew that I was getting ready to prepare for a game. And it was from my sister, Heidi. <clears throat> it was like 11 o'clock. And I remember thinking, oh, shoot, something's wrong. She's calling me this late the night before a game. Because would have already, she would have already like said good luck earlier. Wow. So she called. And I just kind of had a bad I just It was like I remember the day before he went on his trip to New Zealand with his like fiance. My parents had been divorced many years before. Mm-hmm. And so he was like going with his fiance. I remember... He had never missed a football game in college. Like he'd flown all around the country to watch me play, and it was my fifth year, senior year. It was like we were, you know, the week before I was the player of the week in the conference. Like I was, everything was like lining up. We were like top ten in the country. It was like, why would you miss a game? Um, you know, my senior year when you've been there the whole time. Wow. And I remember the night before he left, he was like. You know, this is the only time I'm going to be able to go for the year because of work and this and that. Um, and I've been really wanting to go for a while, so I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And, and it's going to be a spiritual journey for me. He was like, I'm really excited for this spiritual journey. He kept saying that over and over. He was like, when he was studying my, my books, he's a Christian scientist. So he was like, when I study the Bible, and I'm really just going to like connect with myself and go on this journey. Wow. And I was like, the way he said it, though, and the way he like – looked sitting next to me i remember just thinking he does not look the same like it's almost like he mm. knew something was going to happen and so when i got the call i wasn't surprised because i was just like i felt like something weird was going to happen to him wow like it was just all really strange how it worked out and um <clears throat> it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me even though it was like a horrible experience and my father and i were really close for a long time so it was like he, he's never been the same since in the last eight years, I guess. But um, it allowed me to to really step up and be like my own person and mm. rely on myself in a lot of ways, as opposed to relying on my father for you know a backup plan or something. Yeah. 
and it gave me the drive and the determination to really chase my dreams and know that every minute matters and uh, not take anything for granted. So it was wow. a pretty interesting experience. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, after that, you were, how long after that was it that you got injured? Um, after that, so after I got the phone call and that all happened, I got injured the next day, uh, broke three ribs, but then I recovered, went back. It was like two years later, I was playing professional football and then I got injured. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was interesting. There were all three injuries, the two broken ribs and the broken, or the, the two times I broke my ribs and the time I broke my wrist were on the second game of the season. Wow. So it's kind of weird. I just realized that they were all on the second game of the season, but yeah, interesting. So, so, so that was like, you have you have bigger things in your life to come. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I had bigger things. So, what what was it like when you when you found like when you broke that and you realized that you you were done? Um, it was uh, it was devastating because I thought I was going to play for like you know five ten years professional football and I was going to work my way up to the NFL and achieve my dream because I was like anything's possible and I'm going to make it happen. And then when it didn't happen, I was just like, oh, I guess, you know, it was like I wanted it so bad and there was nothing I could do. I was in a cast for six months and then it uh, took me another six months just to strain my arm. And so it had, I was like, I missed a full two seasons afterwards. So I was like 25, no NFL team's going to pick up a 25 year old, like white wide receiver who didn't play in the NFL and who was injured for two years. You know, it's like, it's just not going to happen. So it was kind of like, I need to make some money fast. I tried to come back, but I realized like I couldn't, there was nothing I could do. I couldn't even catch a ball for a while. Yeah. And uh, I was sleeping on my sister's couch recovering for a year and a half. And I was like depressed. I was like, what am I going to do with my life? My dad, I don't know if he's going to live or die. Like, what am I going to do? My, my whole plan was to be a professional athlete. And that's all I trained for my entire life. And I have no back, I have no backup skills I hadn't co graduated college yet, and I wasn't like planning to do anything else. I had wow. no <laughs> desire or dream to do anything else. Jeez. So I was sleeping on my sister's couch thinking, what am I going to do with my life right now? And I'm a worthless piece of crap. That's what I was just thinking for like months. Like I'm, I can't work out. I can't like work because no one will hire me. I don't want to work for anyone. Like <laughs> I, I didn't want to live that life anyways because I got a taste of like having my own schedule and just training every day and... Yeah. Playing in front of thousands of people. Uh, so, but I, you know, eventually I was just like, you know, I got to make something in my life. I got to figure something out to make money and not sleep on my sister's couch. That was my whole goal. It was like, how can I just have my basic needs met and not live off my family? I'm like, what can I do? So I was exploring these things for months and months and months. And I had a couple of mentors, key mentors, who I reached out to. And was persistent with and learning about what they had done to get to where they are. I really admired kind of like their philosophy, their moral compass, their leadership skills, and what they created in business. And so I was like, I just want to learn what they did to get to where they are and see if I can replicate it in some form. So there was about three people that I really like communicated with on a weekly basis who gave me advice, and I would just I was just trying to be the best student I could be. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to be coachable. I'm going to do whatever you guys tell me to do, and I'm going to take lots of action and see what works. And for the next couple of years, that's what I did. And um, started making money just doing a lot of creative things. 
I was like, what can I do to make money? I was building this audience on LinkedIn and recognized that a lot of these meetups were happening around the country back in 2008, 2009, like Twitter meetups and social media meetups. So I was like, you know what? I bet I could put on a, a good event. And I've got this big audience that I've built on LinkedIn because I was on there all day long just connecting with people. So I was like, I bet I could bring a bunch of people together. Let me try to, <clears throat> let me try to throw like a little networking party, see how many people I can get to come for free. And I'm going to like sell some tables for sponsors, like for 250 bucks a pop. So I hosted this event in St. Louis because I had a group that I created in, uh, on LinkedIn. And there's probably like, I don't know, 5,000 people or 10,000 people in the group. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to message everyone in the group and say, hey, we're doing this event. Get everyone to RSVP. I would just message people one by one. It was just like, hey, come to this event. Here's what you're going to get out of it. Who's, who's going to be there? I was just like learning about marketing and promotion at that time. I was like, all right, come to this thing. <clears throat> and I show up having – I'd never done an event before. I had no clue what I was doing. I called like different venues in, in St. Louis and said, this is what I'm doing. Can we have this thing for three hours? You know, Can I rent out the space for free and people are going to buy drinks? And um, I show up, and there's 350 people that come in the next like hour. Wow! Like, right after I show up, and there was like four sponsors that I'd sold table tables to, so I made like a thousand bucks in cash. And I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." And so I was like, "I'm, awesome. I'm going to do another event, and I wonder if I can charge five bucks because there was like a couple scragglers who were just like worthless, who didn't add any value to the event. They were just kind of like <laughs> you know schmoozing, really sleazy. So I was like, "I wonder if I can get rid of those people." And yeah. just get quality people for five bucks. But I was kind of nervous because I didn't think anyone would show up. So I throw another event, <clears throat> and 300 people show up who pay five bucks. And I get four or five sponsors. So now I'm making like 2,500 bucks. And I'm like, oh, it's all cash. This is pretty nice. <laughs> this is my first taste of like making money ever, like on my own, besides like being a truck driver when I was like in between. You know, a pro, being pro football in college, I was a truck driver for three months. Wow. It was miserable. And, and so what did, what did you do at these events? So <clears throat> I didn't do anything. I would just kind of facilitate, mm. and I would make introductions. So there's all local business owners or, or entrepreneurs, and I sat at the front when everyone would walk in, and I introduced myself to every person. And I said, wow. thanks so much for coming. I'd shake their hand, 300 to 500 people at a time. And I would ask them, like, you know, what's your biggest challenge right now? What are you looking for in your business? And they would say, oh, I really want to get, you know, trying to figure out this SEO game. Or I need a graphic designer. Or I'm looking for, like, a sales manager. Or I'm looking for this. So I'll be like, okay, cool. If I find someone, I'll let you know. So the next time, you know, people would come in and say, oh, I'm looking, I'm a sales rep. I'm looking for a new job. I'd be like, you got to connect with so-and-so. Mm. And so I would just be connecting people left and right at these events. Like, just introducing, here's this person, here's this person. I love that. And bringing people together. And then I'd get these emails for weeks afterwards, like, are we connected and we're doing great business and my business is growing. Thanks so much. When's the next event? And wow. that's what I do. I, I did 20 of those in that year from 2008 to 2000 end of 2009 and um yeah i did 20 of them i started charging 20 bucks i started i was like how can i make more money so i started taking 15 percent from food and bar sales mm. i'd written a book about how to grow your business on linkedin at this time so i started selling my books out there i was like doing everything i could to leverage being creative to make money at these events yeah, I mean that's I uh, essentially too what a, a an entrepreneur is is they create business, mm -hmm. and you've done that. You've done such a great job at that. Yeah, I was just like all I cared about was like getting off my sister's couch, 
And I was yeah. just like, what can I do to be creative to like bring in more money? <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. I mean, speaking of, let's like rewind back to that, that moment. What were you feeling? What were those fears that you were experiencing? And what was that? What was the switch that happened when you're like, ah, I've got to just like do something. It was about a year and a half. It was like a year, year and a half when I was just like miserable on the couch. And I remember my sister being like, you know, I was eating all our food. I didn't have any money. And I was kind of eating her leftovers and just like trying to get out of, stay out of the way. When she would be like leaving early for work, getting home late, and I'm just laying there worthless. And I'd gotten my cast off. You know, another six months went by. And my sister's such a sweetheart. She wasn't like ever pressuring me to do anything. But after about a year, she was like, so are you like planning to get a job? <laughs> like she never mentioned anything. But then she was like, so are you going to get a job soon? And I was like, shoot, like this sucks. I'm just still kind of like down in the dumps. And I was like, ah, I really don't want a job. But I started applying for jobs, actually. I was like, okay, you know what? I like sports, sports marketing. That was like what I went to school for. Yeah. So I was like, maybe I can do some sports stuff. I started applying for jobs that I saw on Craigslist uh, for sports marketing. And I remember like setting up an interview to go in one day for this job. And I was just like, I really think I'm going to get this job if I go in there. I was like, for some reason, I was like, I believe I will get this. Yeah. And I couldn't go in. So I didn't go into the interview because I was just like, I don't want to work a job. Because I know I'm going to get it. <laughs> I was just like, I know I'm going to get this, and it's not what I want. And my gut was just like resisting it. And I remember that was kind of the moment where I was like, okay, I got to step it up and figure this out. If I'm not going to go work for someone, how am I going to make money on my own? And that's when I really started like ramping up these events. And I was like, I got to make enough money to get out of my sister's place and like find my own, my own apartment. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when I really started traveling the country going to events i would i would just i would say i'm a pretty good like what's the word i'm thinking of i'm a very good like person who watches i'm trying to think of the word like an observer yeah an observer very good that's the word kind of like a photographer uh, yeah exactly <laughs> i would say i'm a very good observer in seeing what's working for other people and mm. kind of reverse engineering what they've created and seeing why other people like them or why are the people like their work or why are the people are buying their products and i would kind of be like why are they why do they like this person so much and why is this information so much different than this other person's and how come he's making so much money when this other person isn't mm. and i would kind of just like intuitively feel the brand their messaging their marketing everything they were doing and be like okay i know why that's like i see that's working because it triggers for me i really think it's cool or it's interesting or that's why i want this and so I never had the experience of learning about marketing or business or anything, but I would just observe and be like, okay, I see why that's working. So I'm going to apply some of that. And then I would see why this is working with this guy, and I'm going to apply some of that. And that's what I would do. So you're just naturally smart and intuitive. It's pretty much what you know, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a horrible student in school, almost flunked out my senior year of English. And um, I was in a special needs class going into eighth grade because I couldn't read at all. Wow. And uh, I could barely read. It would take me, you know, 10 minutes to read a full page in a book because I would just was such a slow reader and I didn't know a bunch of words. And it was just like I was always intimidated to have the teacher calling me to read in class in public because I just couldn't read and I'd always get made fun of. So wow. I would just never read. 
<clears throat> so for me, I was horrible in school. I pretty much cheated on every test, like in high school. <laughs> Let's, I literally cheated on every test, probably 90% of the tests. And no one really knows that. I haven't really told anyone that, but that's the only reason I got through school is by cheating, believe wow. it or not. Because I don't think I would have made it through school if I was not good. I didn't find out I have a perfect eyesight and was not great mm. at um, looking across the room and seeing answers on tests. Thankfully, it was a lot of multiple choice. <laughs> and I was the king of like hiding my eyes and I, looking like I was you know, looking over here, but really I could see the teacher all the time out of the corner of my eyes. And I could see her, and I knew when she could see me or he could see me, and I hide my eyes so my gaze would just be low enough, but I could still look around me and see what everyone was writing. And that's how I passed tests. I would always get C's <laughs> or D's, but it's how I passed. was because I was, like, really good, had, like, perfect vision. And that's kind of something that's translated for me is, like, having great vision and seeing what other people are creating. Wow. I yeah, love that. Yeah. So how did you overcome with the not being able to read very well? Like, how did you overcome that? I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of like insecurities oh my and self-worth things that came from that. It was the worst feeling in school because I didn't have any friends growing up in the first place. I was like this tall, gangly kid. My brother went to prison for four years when I was eight years old. So coming from like a white suburban area where no one goes to prison, I was like the younger brother of a convict now. And so no parents would allow their friend, like their sons or daughters to hang out with me. He got out when I was 12. And then I was like, you know, this awkward kid. I was stupid in school. I was just like, I had a lot going against me. Um, so I was very insecure my entire childhood, like extremely insecure always felt like I was ignorant and stupid and never felt like I was good enough. Yeah. Because I was always the last in class. And, and then I went to private boarding school, which was a really challenging school. And uh, they would rank us like our on our grade cards. At the end of every report card, they would like be like, okay, you're ranked number 100 out of 100 of the students. And I was always in the bottom four. So oh, that man. lowered my confidence even more, being like, great, I'm ranked you know, in the lower bottom four. And, um, yeah, what I really leaned on was sports. I was like, what am I good at? And sports was like something I could focus all my energy on. After school, I would just let all this aggression out and practice. Mm. And I was like, if I'm going to get made fun of in school, I'm not going to be made fun of in these games or in these practices. I was like, I'm going to be the best in this school and the best in the conference and the state and the country at this sport. And I would just dedicate my whole hours after school to sports. Wow. So that was pretty much a catalyst to excel everything else, to excel yeah. your sports. Do you think it still has an effect on you today? Or Yeah, I've done a lot of work on it. As you know, I've done a lot of work on myself. And it, I've really, I feel like I've let go of kind of like the root of feeling ignorant and stupid and insecure as a kid. I'm sure there's stuff that still comes up. Like subconsciously, mm -hmm. but I'm very aware of it when it happens, and I know my strengths, and I don't try to pretend like I don't have any weaknesses. And so it's like I'll openly say, "Well, you know, I don't know the answer to this, or you know, I'm not I'm not educated in this right now, so I'm not going to try to act like I, I do know." Yeah, and I try to you know focus on coming from a different place of like love with people. 
as opposed to, for me, what I've really learned is I don't judge people on how smart they are if I know how much they care about me. And if I know they're coming from a great place and they're opening up and they're, you know, paying attention to me and they really care, that's not all I care about. I don't care if they were, you know, got straight A's or if they're intelligent or whatever. Yeah. For me, it doesn't matter. So if I ever feel like insecure about that, like I'm not smart enough as these people in the same room as me or they're much more intelligent, it's probably the case with almost everyone is way more intelligent than me, to be honest. Yeah. Like books wise, I don't know. I mean, my 10 year old nephew can read 10 times faster than me and like has read hundreds of books. I've probably read five books. And I'm just like, he's way smarter than me in math and everything. Yeah. So I've kind of let that go. It's like, I'm not going to be the best at that. And I'm not going to be able to like be at the same level as everyone else. But for me, what matters most is like knowing that people, other people know I care about them. And that's what builds connection, not being the smartest. But if you're a smart asshole, no one's going to want to hang out with you. <laughs> so just showing people, hey, I'm here to support you however I can. I want to serve, and I care about you as an individual. That's what I think has supported me in my success. That's awesome. Have you always had these like this perspective? You know, I just wanted people to know I cared um, when I was growing up because – I was just so dumb in school. So I was just like, I wanted to be people's friends. And so I wanted them to know I just cared about them and wanted yeah. to just have a good time and hang out and feel loved and accepted. That's all I wanted. It was like love and acceptance. And I didn't feel that in school. So I was just like, I want them to know I care about them and I'm going to be a hardworking person in sports and contribute to the team and, uh, you know, give my all and add value to like our overall goals and the team sports teams. And, uh, you know, quickly became the captain of every team and the most valuable player in every team. And that's where I felt like I could contribute to adding value to other people. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely felt felt the care in the last, you know, since the time that, that I've known you. Yeah. And that's been inspiring to me. Yeah. So, you know, going back to when you started creating these things, these meetups on LinkedIn and creating these products, what was your... What was your headspace on creating like your business and where you wanted to go? My only goal was to just get, be able to rent my own apartment at first. I was like, I need enough money to leave my sister's <laughs> place. And that's all I cared about. It wasn't like, I want to make millions. I was just like, I want to be feel like a man and be able to stand on my own two feet mm-hmm. and not rely on my family. And I was 25 at the time, and I was just like, I feel like a loser. And that was my goal originally. And then when I... I had made enough money to rent a room from my brother's place for 250 bucks a month. He was like, you can come for 250 a month. And I was like, okay, because he had a wife and a kid, and he was like, my wife wants you to you know, pay a little money to support out. I was like, all right, cool. Because I was making enough money at these events. I was like, all right, I can support, I can do that, 250. And it was like a stretch the first month, but then it got really easy for the next six months. And I was like, all right, I need to get my own place. I can't just live in this room at my brother's place. And I was looking for months to find a place and I found one for 495 bucks in like downtown Columbus. And I was like, this is awesome. I was like, I want to live here, but I was like, it's 500 bucks a month. That's a lot. <laughs> and I was worried about it. I was like, hopefully I can pay this every month. Cause I wasn't sure I had to work for these events. Ended up getting the space. And, uh, the first month I was like, oh, that's kind of a stretch. But then it got very easy after that. I started making a lot more money. Um, 
pretty much right when I moved in on my own, I started making a lot more mm -hmm. money and then just saved a lot for like a year. Wow. So now when you, with the meetups, you're also doing, did you create some, what did you create online? Yeah. So I had this information and I was like, I'd done probably 15, 20 events at this time. And I was like starting to get burnt out from like traveling and hosting these events. I was like, there's gotta be a better way where I don't have to trade my time to create one thing and then try to sell it, you know, by having to show up all the time mm. and only make like three to $5,000, right? Cause it was, it was hard to scale selling five, $10 tickets. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, how can I make money? That's not just like petty cash coming in every month, but something like really take me to the next level. And again, I continued just seeking out people who were doing big things, people who were making millions online. I was like, I'm going to meet them and just figure it out. I didn't know how, I didn't know when or what. So I went to this event in Vegas and I met this guy named Joel Kamm. And I knew he was like a New York Times bestselling author and he made millions online. He was doing a lot of creative things online at the time. So he was kind of like this little online celebrity for me at the time. And I went up to him and I just said, hey, uh, I know you wrote a book about Twitter and I wrote a book about LinkedIn. I really think you should uh, share this information with your audience. And so he was like, tell me, what's, why should I use LinkedIn? And I gave him like a quick 30-second pitch. And he was like, all right, cool. I like it. Let's follow up later and we'll see what happens. So I ended up following up with him and just saying, you know, again, I'd love to share this information with your audience. Let me know. He's like, perfect. I'm going to have you come on a webinar. And I didn't know what a webinar meant at the time. So I'm going to have you come on a webinar and you're going to uh, sell a product at the end of this webinar. So I give a free hour of information and then sell a product. I was like, I don't have a product. I've got a book. He was like, no, you got to make it around a hundred to $200 product like an online training course. And I was like, I have no clue what you're talking about. I don't know how to create a website. I don't know how to do any of this. Mm. I don't know how to receive payments online. And I had seen what someone else had done to create this. Another friend named Mari Smith, she had created like this online training course where it was like a, a live boot camp, just like webinars. And I asked a buddy of mine who had created sales pages and graphics before. I was like, dude, can you help me set up this simple page that just can receive payments so I can sell something at the end of this webinar? He helped me set it up like the day before. I get on this webinar. It was like the ugliest looking presentation, the ugliest looking sales page. Like everything was horrible, but it worked. It was like working at least. Yeah. It's functional. So I get on this webinar. There's 600 people on live and I'm freaking out because I'm like, I've never spoken in front of people really. And they all are want to hear this information. I hope it don't mess up. What if I screw up? Like I was freaking out. And I start presenting and getting the flow of this content within about 10 minutes and really start hitting my stride and just like giving them tip after tip and just telling them all the secrets on how to grow your business on LinkedIn. Mm. People are loving it. They've never heard this information before. It's kind of a new topic for them. At the end of the webinar, I'm kind of like, I hope you guys enjoyed this, you know, I've got this link. If you want like more training, go ahead and check it out. And then Joel, the guy who was hosting the webinar, was like, this is amazing. Make sure you guys go check this out. He was like really selling it for me because I was like intimidated. I was like, just go you know, <laughs> check it out for me. He was like, no, you guys really need to check this out. This is awesome content. I've never seen this before. So at this time, I'm like sweating profusely. I'm like freaking out because I don't know what's happening. And I'm like so nervous. So the webinar shuts down. I open up my email account and I remember it was the most beautiful site I'd ever seen in my life. I open it up and every subject line on my whole screen said, you've received payment. 
from PayPal. And I opened up my PayPal account and there's $6,500 in there. And I was like, holy, in an hour's time. And I was like, holy crap, I'm I was like running around the house, throwing the cats. (laughs) I was like, I am rich. I was screaming. And uh, I never had made that much money in that amount of time. Like in a month even, I never made that much money still. And I was like, holy crap, if I can do this in an hour, in my underwear, my brother's house. (laughs) I was like, I could do this every day for the rest of my life if I want to make this much money. That's amazing. For the next three years, that's what I did. Pretty much every couple of days, I did a webinar and presented on a couple of topics and just started stacking my bank account. Wow. Yes. That's impressive. <laughs> that's impressive. Mailbox money. Exactly. Yeah. I felt like it was just an ATM machine. Like, I mean, I put a lot of work. I was like on these webinars every single day. It's, it felt like I did over 700 webinars in a few years. And it was just nonstop creating connections with people to have them promote me to get on these webinars to bring people mm-hmm. on and adding value to them and their audience by giving away free content, free information to support their members and then offering a product at the end. And that's what I, I just was like, this works. I'm going to repeat this over and over. Like, why try something new when this is working? I'm just going to, like, make the most out of this. Wow. Well, that's powerful. Yeah. So, you you know, back to LinkedIn, you wrote a book, which we yeah. didn't even really cover. Sure. Was that actual physical book? Was that an ebook? It's a like, physical book. Yeah. It's called Linked Working. And uh, I wrote that back in 2009. So it's been a while now. But uh, it was kind of like my starting point of, like, mm. creating influence around my my name and the topic because no one had written a book about LinkedIn. Someone had written like a smaller book about it. But now there's probably 50 books on LinkedIn. Mm. And But I became kind of like that go-to guy. If you want someone, a speaker at your conference, if you want a webinar about LinkedIn, I was the guy. So right. because I took the action and it's like putting myself out there, people were hearing about me and my work and they were getting results. Yeah, yeah. So... That was like a good turning point was having a book and being known for that expertise gotcha. in a space at the right time. Hey, timing is everything. Timing was everything. I mean, if I'd have waited a year or two, it wouldn't have been as powerful. Because mm, you were the first to do it. Yeah. And there was like another guy who was like kind of doing it for careers, but it wasn't like for entrepreneurs and business owners to like build their business. Yeah. I mean, I guess this is for me this is a good question because like I... I've never really used LinkedIn myself. I've never seen the value as a more as an entrepreneur, creative entrepreneur, because so much of our business is B two B, and it's not like, you know, I'm not. We're not working in a uh, you know full time job for you know in a full time position. That's kind of how I how I've always seen LinkedIn used. So, I mean, what do you? What's your thoughts on that? Well, I think anyone can achieve their goals using LinkedIn. doesn't matter what your profession or career. Mm. Um, you first have to define your goals. So when you, if you tell me what your goal is, then I could give you examples. But let's just say I want to like get in touch with bigger Fortune 500 companies and sell artwork in their, in their lobbies and sell like big pieces of art in their lobbies because I know they have a $300,000 budget for their just lobby right for artwork yeah so what i would do is that you could do a a search for like fortune 500 companies on linkedin you can just do it you can do a simple search for them and then you can see like okay i really want to be in these type of companies these tech companies you can do advanced searches and see like and narrow down your searches for all the companies that you want to like connect with then you could do it'll show you how you're connected to the people in those 
in those companies mm. through LinkedIn. So you can say, okay, I'm directly connected to this person, so I'm just going to contact them and say, hey, who's the person who's in charge of like curating art in your office? Mm. And uh, just kind of start building that relationship and reaching out. It's a matter of just figuring out who these points of contact are, reaching out to them, and then the rest is on you. Like, I can't teach you how to sell you. <laughs> I mean, I can, but it's up to you to make it happen, you know. So it's more about the connections and connecting yeah, with the right people. Exactly, yeah. And then they connect you. Exactly. Got so that's like just one example. But if you were you know, trying to get more leads online, then there's specific things where you could build an audience through specific niche-related groups on LinkedIn, or you could post your content in different groups that are already created, hmm. um, and things like that. So. Gotcha. Yeah, we... In, for for the business of photography and advertising, it's very it's a very different channel. It's way more connecting with people through, you know, portfolio shows and, and marketing and advertising. But I mean, maybe, maybe it is a great way to connect with those people if they're, if they're connected on LinkedIn. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. So where is your business expanding to now? And you know, after 700 live webinars, I was like, come I'm talking about the same things over and over. I was kind of like burnt out. I was like, I wanted to be more creative mm-hmm. and not just say the same things over and over. So I, uh, I kind of stepped back from teaching a lot of that stuff on LinkedIn and social media and really have been excited about the new stuff, which is just teaching people about how to achieve greatness in general and peak performance and leadership and um, how to grow your business online. So teaching some of these topics. So I've created lots of different avenues to build my audience and get that message out there. Mm-hmm. And there's some free avenues to teach people, but then there's also some paid avenues so I can continue growing my business. But it's been more about, it's been more of continuing to achieve my own personal dreams and always pursue these dreams that I have. Like mm-hmm. any desires that I have that I want to fulfill, I'm going to go after them mm-hmm. or it's my intention to. And then I want to, my vision is to really inspire others to be creative in achieving their dreams as well. Awesome. Because again, it's like, you know, what if I get an accident tomorrow and I don't have the opportunity to do it? Yeah. It's like, I'm going to really regret that for the rest of my life. So I think it's the pursuit of the dream is the most important thing for me. Mm, the vision. Yeah. The pursuit of it. And it's, you know, my, my, my dream was to play in the NFL. It didn't happen, but I pursued it. Yeah. And I achieved a certain level of being, you know, achieving that dream of being a pro athlete. And if I wouldn't have gone after it, I would be really kicking myself, you know, right now, regretting it. Yeah. And again, it's like I may never achieve my dreams, but the pursuit of achieving my dreams is the most important thing. That's awesome. Fear, regret. Yeah. Not failure. Exactly. Yeah. My buddy has that tattooed on his wrist. Really? On his, on his arm. It's such a great reminder, you know, like live life to the fullest. Yeah. Um, now you did you did some stuff with um, social media like trainings on that yep. too, correct? Yeah, I did that for a while, and I ended up selling that company just because again my heart wasn't in it anymore. I was like, it's not what I'm passionate about a hundred percent, and I want to focus on what I am passionate about, which is not just teaching cheap people about LinkedIn or social media, but really what's holding them back from building their business that they really want to the grow, or what's holding them back from achieving their dreams, mm. and teaching that and supporting people and bringing in experts who are much smarter than me on this topic to share their information. So yeah. I do that through my podcast and other, and other ways of sharing that. Yeah. And you just started the school of greatness. Yeah. So yeah, give us the lowdown. What is that? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people in listening to this would love to, 
to hear about it. So School of Greatness started uh, almost a year ago in January 2013, and it's a free podcast that's out there on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or anywhere you can listen to podcasts. And it's I bring in guests who are world class athletes, inspiring entrepreneurs, and uh, celebrities or influencers to talk about what it takes to be great and other um, you know lessons that they've learned in their life that have helped them achieve success. Mm. And the goal for that is really to inspire people to think differently about what hasn't been working for them and find a new avenue for making things work for them and achieving their dreams or achieving greatness in their own lives. And uh, you know, I've launched a couple of other brands along with that, mm. which is a, a School of Greatness Academy which is a paid membership site to support entrepreneurs and in increasing their business online around these principles. So it's kind of just diving in a little deeper. And then I've created the Integrity Network, which is a podcast network where I've curated a lot of top podcasters and influencers to share this similar message in different avenues. Mm. So the same message of striving to achieve your dreams, achieving greatness, peak performance, but just teaching it in different topics. Yeah. So with the School of Greatness Academy, what do you see possible for people with that? I really see possible for people is creating clarity in their vision for their business and their lifestyle. Mm. So it's all about designing your perfect day, your perfect week, your perfect life, and then building your business around that, and then figuring out how to leverage your lifestyle and your time and energy to double, triple your business. It could be online or offline, but really designing your life first, building your business around your life, as opposed to what 90-something percent of people do, which is designing their career first and building a lifestyle around their career. So mm. flipping it on its head. Where did that idea come from? You know, after playing pro football, I was just like, I don't want to work 9 to 5 or 9 to 9 or whatever it is people do because um, that just does not fulfill my soul or make my heart feel good. Mm. I want to live this like lifestyle like I had for a year of playing pro football where I got to wake up, go train for a couple hours, go watch some game film, hang out with a bunch of friends, and then have the rest of the day off. I was just like, and get paid to do it. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty cool. And so I want to design the exact day, how I want to feel every single day. I want to create that for myself and then show others that it's possible. Like anyone could do it if they want to. Yeah. It's going to be a struggle for some people because they've been conditioned to think and be a certain way and they may not have the opportunities as other people, but there are so many examples and stories of people that do this every single day or that change their way of lifestyle all the time. Yeah. So I want to inspire people to start thinking differently and acting differently so they can have the ultimate lifestyle and build their business around their lifestyle. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot about what this, what you know shop talk is all about is like creating the creative lifestyle so kind of similar similar track but using art to, you know to create make a living it really is about you know life lifestyle design i've kind of done a lot of that and i think tim tim ferris's for our work week really i read that years ago yeah and that really inspired me um on yeah. my on my journey uh what do you what do you recommend to you know people making a living off of their art what I recommend specifically on how to make a living off their art? Yeah, or just even opening up their opening up new spaces to to sell and create to monetize it. I would really say that the online world is an amazing place right now to 
one, create your brand and build an audience, and then two, sell your work. And there's a lot of artists, you know, I, I probably can't specifically pinpoint an example right now, but I see a lot of people creatively doing things to build their audience, whether they're using Pinterest, if they have obviously artists could use Pinterest and um, Etsy and all these different sites to kind of promote their work and build an audience, and Instagram obviously, and all these different photo sites to promote their work and build their audience build a community. The most important thing is building your own community. So mm. it's kind of what you're doing with this blog and this podcast is you're building an audience. Yeah. And every artist needs to build their own audience around what they're doing. First, if you don't know what you're doing and how to build one, first join other communities of artists mm. or people that like specific art that you're in the same realm of. Mm. Um, so I don't know if you like, if you do uh, pencil drawings, then find other communities of pencil drawers first to mm. collaborate with them and then find the communities where people love pencil drawing. So maybe it's the comic book lovers, maybe it's this, I don't know the specific people, but start researching where these communities are and these websites are that feature this work. Mm. And start connecting with the influencers in those communities first. And then you're gonna wanna figure out how to build your own brand. What's your style, what's your flavor, what's your language, what's your lingo? How are you gonna like represent yourself? There's a, um, a great person that I follow. I think it's called her name is called Gem Steady, I believe, on Instagram. Do you mm. know this person? No. It's amazing. Uh, I'm probably gonna buy some stuff here in the next couple of weeks just because she's been like commenting on my posts for a while and I'm like, who is this person who's commenting on my posts who's like really leaving really thoughtful stuff on my Instagram feed? Oh wow. And I click on her link and it's like all of her work that she does. He's creates this amazing jewelry with these like rare gems. Wow. And then she's got these cool Instagram videos of her actually like welding stuff and creating it and designing it. So I'm like seeing the entire process on Instagram and how she creates her work. And, you know, there's a link to her website, but she's never like fully promoting it. But there's a link. And I'm like, oh, cool. And it's just always on the top of my mind. I started subscribing to her after. It took me like mm. two months to actually subscribe to her. But she kept being, being persistent and just like leaving thoughtful comments. Wow. Not asking for anything, but just like leaving thoughtful comments. I was like, oh, this is cool work. I like this work. Yeah. So I'm going to follow it. And um, like every couple of days, I see another picture of like a cool stone. And it's like, I don't have a girlfriend right now. If I did, I'd probably buy a bunch of stuff. But it's about to be Christmas. And I'm like, I might as well buy some stuff for my mom and my sister. <laughs> you know? And yeah. I, she's on the top of my mind. Yeah. And she's not pushing anything, but she's like building her audience by commenting on influencers' photos. And I'm sure she's doing. She's got her website where she's promoting stuff and writing content. She's on Facebook promoting the same stuff. So it takes time and energy yeah. to build your audience, but she's doing it. And yeah. I think it's called Gem Steady. I'll actually look it up really quick while you're... <laughs> so um, I, I, I would say what I was hearing is that building your brand is huge. And, and staying... Um, like standing above the rest. Yes. Like how do you build a brand that stands out above all the noise? Cause everybody, sure. you know, there's so much going on on the internet. There's so, you know, so many people, how yeah. do you stand above the rest? You know, for me, and I found the, the thing and Nick's looking at it right now on Instagram, but for me, mm -hmm. um, building the brand was very important. And that's what I realized when I would look at people that I admired who were doing things online. Well, I was like, I really like their brand. And, they're doing something different out there than the rest of just like marketers or whatever. 
So for me, I was like, I want to stand. When I reinvested in my website design, I guess it was like a year ago, almost. I was just like, I wasn't happy with my site, my brand. It just looked like everyone else's. Like, sure, my picture looked different, but like it was almost the same as everyone else. And I was just like, inside, I just knew it wasn't authentically me. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to talk to the best website designer that I know. And I'm going to talk to the best photographer that I know. And I was like, which is you. And, yep. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like, you. I'm... I'm going to do whatever it takes to like make the best looking website for my niche, my audience of kind of like my personality style online. And I want people to talk about this for years, Mm. how different and unique and amazing that my site is. And so I hired you to shoot some awesome photos of me to like step up my brand. And I told you exactly like what I wanted to look like. And I hired this uh, web development firm. I was just like, and you helped me creating this like deck to like say, here's the brand that I want for myself yeah. and the vision. And I passed that over to them. And uh, I still get people commenting like on my site saying that this is like the best looking website online for, you know, a personality or like an individual or an author or things like that. And that's awesome. And they, they all like comment on whenever we're talking about web design, they're like, check out Lewis house, you know? Yeah. And for me, that's what I've always, that's what I wanted people to be like, dang, who is the one who took your photos? Who, is this, <laughs> who designed this site? I want it. Yeah. So, I mean, you'd say design and photography is a huge place huge. for standing out. Huge. I think, I mean, that's what we're drawn to visually is like design. When you look at something, you look at the packaging, you're not even aware of it. We were talking about this last night with Onnit, um, you know, one of my sponsors, and they have like a beautiful design on their website. It's onnit.com if you guys want to check it out. Beautiful design, their packaging, you're just like, you just want to buy it. You're just like, this looks good, you know, it's so clean and like, it's just nice. You're just like, how do they make such a good design? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I buy just based off of their design. Well, actually, because it's got a lot of great products as right, well. Right. But like every time they send out an email, I'm like, ooh. ooh. So clean looking. Yeah. I was like, I want some of that. I don't know what it is, but I want some. <laughs> if it was just a generic label with a name on it, like we'd be like, I'm, just, I'm not buying this. You know, it may be amazing inside, but you're not going to buy it based on your perception of the packaging and the branding. Right. And it's the same thing with a person or a person's artwork. Like... I may have the best content in the world, but if I just had like a plain white site and it was like ugly looking or something, it's going to be hard for people to like buy into my content yeah. without it being like packaged in a certain way. So it's just a matter of like applying those principles to, you know. Definitely. So how is like having good photos of you on your website, you know, how does that translate? How does that connect people with your brand and you? <sighs> You know, I think it really just steps up my credibility a lot Mm. of it. It's like the perception. It's all like selling perception and value is what everyone's doing. Like on it is selling these products. They're trying to sell the value of what's inside of the package, the packaging. Yeah. And you know, and they've got great stuff inside, so they get to sell that. Yeah. I feel like I've got great content inside of my site and like what I'm putting out there. You do? So I get to sell it, right? I get to put out the perceived value for people on why it's valuable for them to come and keep coming back for more. Yeah. And almost all my content's free anyway. So it's like selling free content, you know, it's like, why is this valuable? And then from that comes a lot of other opportunities to speak at events where I get paid and coach people and things like that. But it's like really trying to show people the value in the first place. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it seems like the photos on your site like help people connect to you. Yeah, it's like your personality. Yeah, and like see how they can relate to you and things like that. Awesome. So you know, what's give us the big grand vision? What what does Lewis Howes want to create in this world? My vision at the moment is to inspire 100 million people to discover and follow their passion wow. so, so they can live the life of their dreams financially around that passion. And, and why I say discover is because when I talk to people and I say, what's your passion? A lot of people don't know. Mm. It's like they've been stuck in this system of working for someone else for 10 years and they're just like, I don't know. I, I'm miserable at my job. I don't know what I love. <laughs> And so the goal is first to help people discover. A lot of people do know what they're passionate about. They're like, I love dance and art and music and this and that. So it's like, cool. All right, now how can you build a lifestyle around this? Mm. And how can you build a life around this passion, monetize a life around this passion? And I really believe that we get that many people. It's kind of like the starting point. I want more, obviously, but 100 million people is a starting point. I feel like if that many people are following their passion and making a living around that passion, and that's what's going to heal like the world. As kind yeah. of sappy as that sounds, that's what's going to heal people's hearts from feeling resentful, from feeling angry, from feeling mm-hmm. whatever. Um, it's. I feel like it's going to cure a lot of disease and a lot of sickness and cancer as well when people are just f- feeling alive all the time. They're not going to be, cancers are not going to attach to their bodies. They're going to be, you know, healthy. They're going to be taking care of themselves. And they're going to be energized and passionate if they're living their passion. Yeah. Imagine a world where everybody's walking around alive. Yeah. We're like the walking dead. Zombies. Yeah. (laughs) So what would be one, one key little tip that you would say to help people unlock their passion, what they're passionate about? Well, if you haven't discovered it yet, I would say ask yourself the question, like, what did I do as a kid that made me feel like I had so much joy in my heart when I did it? Mm, or, or what would I do when I was a kid that would make me skip dinner and just want to be up all night doing? You know, for some people, maybe they'd be like, well, I just loved, like, doing crafts and I loved, like, doing scrapbooks, but there's no way I can make money around that. And... I would disagree. There's a woman named Erica Domasek who, I don't know if you know her, she's a summit girl. Oh, P.S. I made this. Yeah. yeah. And she's making a huge business around crafts and like being creative and like creating these craft books and packages and stores to sell, like all sorts of things. So it's like think of different things that you loved and nothing is like too stupid. Like think of the things you're passionate about when you're a kid. Nothing is stupid. And, uh, there's always a way to make money around something you're passionate about. Yeah. It's amazing how our own thoughts hold us back from our full possibility. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the first is the first key is discovering what you love, what you would want to do for the rest of your life that you, or, you know, at least the next five, 10 years, like what is something you love that you would just like want to do every day? discover that first and then you can start asking yourself the question well how can I make money around this and how can I design a life every single day where I do what I want and I feel a certain way for me it's a lot about feelings how do I want to feel every single day Yeah. and how do I want to design my life so I have these feelings every day like for me I want to feel alive every day I want to feel healthy I want to feel connected I want to feel love I want to feel excitement I want to feel inspired so I set my days up to feel those things yeah 
And I don't do things that don't give me that. That's such a great way to live. That's it. I love it. Yeah. Now, is this something that you're going to be, is that the School the school of Greatness Academy is going to really like offer and bring to the table? Yeah. You know, I dive deeper into like specific exercises with homework and accountability for people to do the work on themselves and like keep them accountable and turn in their homework so that they are designing this lifestyle around the feelings that they want to have every day around their perfect days around their vision around their goals wow and and then i bring in experts and i talk about it myself on how to like increase your lifestyle around making money at the same time because you know everyone's everyone's like well i've got to make money i got to pay the bills that's like everyone's default i'm just like i just want to slap you (laughs) sure you can make money and put and they're always like you know my passion's great and all but i gotta make money i gotta do something to pay the bills and you know my job's okay enough like it's not bad it's not horrible i hate when people say that it's not horrible but it's you know just my job i'm like you sound dead to me yeah i'm like wake up like start living the life you want to live every day like as opposed to living half your day doing something that's you know average for you yeah half your day half your life you're doing something average to pay the bills when if you just think a little differently you take a risk you believe in yourself you trust yourself Surround yourself with powerful people who can support you. You can make it happen. Yeah. That's the School of Greatness Academy. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'm going to have to sign up for it. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So one last question. What does live inspiration mean to you? Live inspiration means fully letting go of fears and doubts that you can't achieve your dreams. Mm. And knowing that you're going to fail all the time, but living from a place of inspiration, your way of being is inspiration and knowing that you'll be able to make the steps necessary to achieve the greatness you want to achieve through the failures that you will have no matter what. I love it. I love it. So where can we find you on the internet? How can somebody sign up for the School of Greatness Academy? Yeah, best place, just go check out lewishouse.com and you can see all my different podcasts and academies and content there. And, uh, yeah, follow me anywhere at Lewis house, anywhere online. Love it. Love it. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks brother. All right. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode of shop talk radio and joining me as we dive underneath the hood of the creative lifestyle. Again, I am your host, Nick Onkin, and if you enjoyed today's episode, then go over to iTunes and leave us a good review so that we can spread the word and inspire even more people in the world to live inspiration and share their inner creativity. Also, we'd love to see where you're listening to the podcast, so snap a photo on Instagram, hashtag liveinspiration, or tag me at Nick Onkin so that you can inspire other people to listen wherever they are at. But beyond this, check out nickonkinshoptalk.com to read articles on creating the creative lifestyle anywhere from emotional intelligence to any other aspect of creative entrepreneurship. I'll be also posting up editorial content in the form of visual essays that I get to create with my photographic eye and my craft and my career. Uh, But most of all, get to join the underground creative community that we're creating. So thanks again for joining us. Now go share your creativity with the world. Uh